Hello, thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Stephen Cook, and this is a message for Easter Sunday 2023. In 2011, a remarkable discovery was made on Dartmoor. The moor is covered in ancient burial sites, many of them excavated by Victorian gentlemen in the 19th century, but one of them on a very remote part of the moor called Whitehorse Hill had been left untouched. Its presence was known about, but it was not thought to be of any particular interest. However, when it was noticed that the site was deteriorating, an archaeological dig was undertaken, fully expecting to find very little of interest. Here's an extract from the magazine Current Archaeology. Quote, it was thought that the cyst, which is the name for this sort of tomb, would be empty, says Andy Jones, principal archaeologist with the Cornwall Archaeological Unit, which undertook the Whitehorse Hill excavations. When the cyst was recorded, it looked like there was just one side stone left in place. So the assumption was that not only would there be nothing inside it, but also there was very little left. We had gone up there really to do an environmental recording programme and build up knowledge of the Bronze Age environment. Then we found out that the supposed base stone was a side stone that had slipped out of position and that the contents of the cyst were intact behind it. The team found the cremated remains of what is now thought to have been a Bronze Age princess, along with many preserved artefacts which have transformed our understanding of the ancient history of the moor. You can see the artefacts on display in the Plymouth City Museum. Now, why, you might think, am I talking about archaeology on Easter Sunday morning? Because the story of the tomb on Whitehorse Hill, which had been told to me by someone in a pub a couple of weeks ago, came back into my mind when I read the story of the resurrection as told by Matthew, especially the words of the angel to Mary. He's not here. He has risen. Forty-one years ago, my wife and I were in Jerusalem and we visited the garden tomb. It probably isn't the actual site where Jesus was buried, but unlike the Holy Sepulchre, which is all gilded and elaborate, it's much more like the place where Jesus would have been buried. A simple cave, which would once have had a stone across the entrance, but now has a wooden door. Having talked about the place for a few minutes, our guide said, You may go in now, but read the words written on the door, and remember, you won't find Jesus there. The most important thing about this tomb is that it's empty. The words on the door, he is not here, he has risen. People opened the White Horse Hill tomb, expecting it to be empty and found it wasn't. On the first Easter day, people came to the tomb of Jesus, expecting to find a body, and it was empty. So the resurrection story begins with an absence, an absence which we know from reading the other gospel accounts left people feeling a mixture of fear, distress mingled with just the beginnings of hope. The idea that someone had taken Jesus away was mixed with memories of what he had said would happen. In his life he had seemed so much in command, so irrepressible. Maybe, just maybe. And then of course, as we shall be hearing in the next few weeks, absence was followed by encounter. The women outside the tomb, the disciples in the upper room, Thomas, breakfast by the lakeside, on the road to Emmaus. The fact that Jesus was alive was demonstrated to those first witnesses. Absence became presence. 
As I was thinking about what to say to you today, it struck me that very often faith journeys follow that same path, starting with an absence and leading on to an encounter. When people ask about having a baby baptised, I talk to them about what the service involves and explain that at one point they have to declare that they believe in God as Christians understand God, as Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I ask them if they're happy to say that they believe in God. There's usually a second or two of silence because it may well be a question they haven't asked themselves for a long time. And then often one will say something like, well, there's got to be something, hasn't there? It's a long time since humans needed to invent God to explain why things are the way they are. Science has done a pretty good job of explaining our origins, although of course there are still many questions left to be answered. What people sitting in my lounge talking about baptism seem to want to say is that they can't accept that at the heart of all things there is just a big fat nothing. No meaning, no purpose, no direction, no cosmic story, and ultimately no hope no salvation. John records that when the disciples went into the tomb and found it empty, they saw and believed. Believed what? Certainly not some thought through theology of the resurrection, but closer to, well, there's got to be something, hasn't there? That's where it started for them. And then within hours, it had turned into an encounter. They met the risen Lord Jesus. When I talk to people about their faith journey, often they tell a vaguely similar story, starting with a sense that something is missing, something is incomplete, that there must be more to life than just the material things, that there has to be a purpose. That sort of feeling is something you can live with, and if you ignore it, very likely it will go away. But if you hang about as Mary waited outside the tomb, as the disciples gathered later to pray in the upper room, if you put yourself in the right places and don't give up, Jesus will make himself known. Absence will turn into encounter. It's pretty standard for vicars to want to warn their congregations that Easter is not all about chocolate eggs and bunnies. But actually I think eggs, especially chocolate ones, are not a bad analogy. I can just about remember when Easter eggs used to have things inside them. Now presumably to make them easier to manufacture. Any accompanying sweets are packed separately and the egg itself is empty, like the tomb. No yolk, no white, just air, like the tomb. But of course, unlike a real egg, once you've cracked it open, you can eat the shell. And with the resurrection story, once you've come face to face with the fact that the tomb was empty, you can move on to an encounter with the living Lord Jesus. Whoever it was that was buried in the tomb on Whitehorse Hill was clearly an important member of her community, maybe some kind of princess. We know what she looked like, because the Daily Mail had a mock-up of her, with beautiful blonde hair flowing in the Dartmoor breeze. But she's long dead, and all that remains is some ashes and some simple but very interesting jewellery. The importance of that tomb was what it contained. The importance of Jesus' tomb was that it was empty. Death could not hold him. He was not there. He had risen. I want to encourage you today to move on from absence to encounter. If you're at the stage of, well, there's got to be something, hasn't there? Like the first disciples looking into the empty tomb with the grave clothes lying around and wondering what it was all about. That mixture of doubt and hope. 
then hang around like Mary did. Pray like those disciples did. Ask questions and demand answers like Thomas did. Get out of the boat and swim to the shore like Peter did. Jesus promised that the Father would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And the Holy Spirit is what turns absence into encounter. He's not here. He has risen. Hope doesn't often begin with absence, but in this case it did, because the story moved on from absence to encounter. May our story this Easter follow that same path. May God bless this word to us. Amen.